as a church, as individuals, as men, as women, we are desperate for God to move. And over the next couple of weeks, probably two weeks, maybe three, we're going to be talking about building strong families. You know what? That's, that's our job. It's not the government's job. It's not our public education or private education's job. It's not our school teacher's job. It's not our Sunday school's job. It's not the church's job. It's our job. Parents. Amen? Building a strong family. In order for me to build a strong family, it's up to me and Elizabeth. It says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, it says, A kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. Any city or house divided against itself shall not stand. We have got to stand together. And you know, a a, a sixth grade teacher in California for a creative writing assignment. And let me tell you, as I was, English was not my favorite subject. Writing was not my favorite subject. And any time the teacher said, I've got a writing assignment, I just, oh no, just Lord help me get through this. I'm kind of math oriented. Elizabeth laughs at me because I can usually tell you how many stairs are in every area that I ever work in. I worked in my dad's office for a couple of years and I could tell you how many flights of stairs and how many stairs are in each flight. You know, numbers just work with me. Writing and creativity doesn't. So I would cringe when a teacher would say, let's be creative. You'd say, Pastor, you're a musician. Yeah, kind of. Not on the creative side. I'm, uh, it's just not in me. But well, I, I, let me not take that. I, it, maybe it is in me, but I just push it back. <laughs> but that said a writing assignment that just said on the board, I wish. And ask the students to fill in the blank, thinking the kids would say, I wish I had a bicycle. I wish I had an Xbox. I wish I had a computer. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. But was so surprised that 20 out of 30 in her class said that they wished that their family would be better. You know, the teacher was just caught completely off guard. Wasn't looking for that, but got truth. Let me read a few of what the kids said. One kid said, I wish my parents wouldn't fight. And I wish my father would come back. Another one said, I wish my mother didn't have a boyfriend. I wish I could get straight A's so that my father would love me. You know, I want to talk to us as mom and dads, where we are as mom and dads. I want to talk about building a strong family. And you know what? So many times, even with my own children, if I don't give them the avenue to talk, they don't, they don't tell me what's going on with them. But I I become so surprised when they finally get opened up and can talk about where they are and how they feel. Because it's not always where we think. We think everything's peachy and we live in this nice little clean town and safe town. And it's, there's stuff going on out there. Amen. Mother Teresa was asked upon receiving her Nobel Peace Prize. They asked her, what can we do to promote world peace? And her answer was, if you want to promote world peace, go home and love your family. Good words from a wise lady. Amen. Today's message comes from two professors, and it's going to sound like I'm leading you into a joke, from the University of Alabama and the University of Tennessee. They, they sent little blurbs, little articles, little... Um, Short ads in the newspaper in 50 newspapers in 25 different states, which basically said this. If you live in a strong family, 
Please contact us. We know what it takes to tear apart a family, but what does it take to build a strong family? And from that little survey, 3,000 responses came in from strong families. And it's very interesting that as they compiled the responses, they discovered that everyone was saying basically the same thing. Six key ingredients to building a strong family. Number one, qualities of a strong family. Commitment. Everybody say commitment. Commitment. Strong families have a strong sense of team. Team. Family identity and unity. They invest their time, their energy, and their heart into it. Is our family a fortress or is it a facade? Is our, it's one or the other. Is our family, it, it may look strong, but is it strong? You know, tests come to find out whether you're strong or not. Is what you're building going to stand? How many knows in your job, sometimes a test comes to see how strong you are? How many knows in your relationships, a test comes to see really how loyal are you? How much are you with that person or not? Same thing happens in church. A test comes and you've got that make or break moment. A family, a family that's committed has this motto, family first. Everything on their schedule revolves around their family. They live to make a successful family. They pour their time and energy into their family. Now, don't get me wrong. They have other responsibilities. It doesn't mean that we abandon work. God wants us to work. God wants us to provide. God wants us to meet those needs as husbands and wives in our families, but not in neglecting our family. God is a God of family. He started with a family. He expects the world to change through family. Do you know he, he used one family? And I preached on this at my grandfather's funeral. He used one family for the entire children of Israel. And it was Abraham. And why did he choose him? Does anybody know? I just preached on it at that funeral. If you were there, you'd remember. Because he commanded his family in the ways of the Lord. That's why Abraham was chosen. That's why Abraham was given the covenant promise. Because God knew that Abraham would command his family in the ways of the Lord. You want to know why America's where it's at? Is because the family is not commanding the dads, the moms, the the authority is not commanding the ways of the Lord in their household. If we did, we would see the results. It's a promise. When God gives promises, he fulfills them every time. You want to know why our families, why our city, why our nation is where it is? It's not because of the president. It's not because of the government. It's because of the family. Take it one more step. It's because of the church. But if we don't get it right as a family, the church will never be right. Why? Because we're the church. You know, as you take time thinking about these subjects, you know, you realize people are not into long-term. Can't think long-term. Joe McGee says, what's your five-year plan? Five-year plan. And I'm just trying to figure out how to make it through tomorrow. How am I going to deal with tomorrow? Five years. But you know what? It, it, just Joe saying it helped me focus. 
You know, you plant seed in the ground, you don't get it tomorrow. You don't get it the next day. You plan. We're into short-term commitments. Seems like so many families unravel over this issue of commitment. And I've been searching and praying to God saying, Lord, give us, give me wisdom to help people understand about long-term commitment. I want to share something with you that I think is absolutely essential. The bedrock in building a foundation of commitment within your family. Commitment between a man and a woman happens before marriage. Commitment begins before marriage. You've got to be committed to one another before you get married. If you think you're going to just, all of a sudden the light's going to switch whenever that you say I do, all of a sudden you're committed. No. You've got to start building now. You may have eroded that commitment to your family right now. Well, I want you to know, start now. Change your commitment to your family. Commitment begins before marriage. Commitment begins before the husband and wife exchange vows and say, till death do us part. You know, I think we believe that when we get married, we kind of lock in that commitment. And, you know, if we can just focus just for a minute on the people that aren't married, maybe you have uh, been divorced and you're not married, or maybe you've never been married at all. Commitment erodes before you come to the altar. You know, if you will cheat on God and cheat on that relationship before you're married, what makes you think you won't cheat on it when you do get married? Do you remember when we were talking about the Rebecca principle and going the extra mile and we think, well, God, if I can just get that job, I'll do good in that job. I'm not going to give everything I've got here. I'm not going to give everything I got now. I'm going to keep cutting corners and just try to get by. But when I get that job, I'll give it everything I got. No, you won't. If you're not faithful over little, you won't be given the next step. If you're not faithful in your relationship now, what makes you think you'll be faithful then? I'm not trying to be too tough on you. I'm trying to tell you, get your house in order now. Quit waiting for the pie in the sky and do good now. You may not feel like that you are in a blessed marriage. Well, I want you to know you start living the right way according to what God says about being a husband and about being a wife. You will have a blessed marriage. God is the restorer of marriages, of marriages that could never be restored. God restores. Of family relationships that never could come together on their own. God can bring them together. You're, Cindy, you're an example with you and your father. Five years, six years, however many years running. Blessing. I'm sorry to point you out, but you're always okay with me doing that. God can restore the impossible relationship. God can restore the impossible job. God can restore the impossible church. You know, Joe McGee said over the weekend, he said, Paul, everything in me would have said five, six years ago that that church should have gone under. Everything in me, everything in the world would say this church should have closed the doors. But nope, God restores. God restores. We've had the best year that we've ever had. And let me tell you, we've not even touched the surface. You know, we were praying this morning that 2011 be the greatest year that we've ever had over you individually, over the church. God's the God of going from glory to glory, not not the good old days. God's not the God of the good old days. God's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And we've got a place to go. And it's into victory. Commitment. Commitment erodes before you come to the altar. 
Commitment erodes before you come to the altar. And you know what? That's kind of a tough thing to say uh, to you that are unmarried. But let me tell you, if you made mistakes before you were married, praise God for the blood of Jesus. Praise God for forgiveness and mercy. Let me tell you, if it wasn't for mercy and grace, I'd be, I'd be worthless. My worth comes directly from the Lord. For him forgiving me for my stupid things and for receiving me just how I am. For him receiving you just how you are. Forgiving you. You've come in here and you're still carrying some burdens that you've asked the Lord to forgive you for. Loosen that. Go out of here and say, okay, I'm free of that. No more letting that burden in my past walk around with me. No more. You know what? How can you ever forgive someone else if you can't forgive yourself? God's forgiven you. Is the blood of Jesus not enough to forgive you? The blood of Jesus is enough. The price Jesus paid for your forgiveness is enough. Forgive yourself so that you can forgive. Be faithful to God's law and have integrity when you get married so you can have trust. Your spiritual commitment to your kids doesn't begin the day they're born. How many of us have thought, "Uh uh-oh, we've got a kid. Let's get our act together. Good luck with that. It gets tougher. Things I didn't even know was in me comes out of me. It's like going on the golf course. You want to know what somebody's really like? Let them hit a bad shot on the golf course. You'll hear what's in their heart. Watch out. They might throw something at you. They won't mean to, but things fly sometimes. You know, a a husband and a spouse, a husband and a wife get into it every now and then. Look out because heart's about to come out. Didn't realize that was in there. Here it comes. We must turn to the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Let's get our spiritual act together now that we've got kids. Let's get into the church. Let's get them dedicated. We've got to do the right thing. No, your commitment to your kids begins way before they're born. With your own relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus knew you were coming long before you were ever conceived? Before the earth was ever even created, he knew you were coming. He was preparing long before. You know, there's some glue that's needed in, in qualities of uh, in commitment. One of them is spiritual bonding. You know, and it's something that Elizabeth and I, I again, I, I'm preaching to the choir. I, I'm not great at this. You'd say as pastor, aren't you great? Don't, isn't that all you all do is just read the Bible and pray in tongues and sing worship and just, you know, it's kumbaya all the time. No, it's not. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. And it says in the word of God in the Old Testament to, 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 to get the word in them. Talk to them at dinner. Talk to them as you're walking. Talk to them as you're coming, as you're going. Get the word in them. What is that when we do that? It's commanding our family in the way that they should go. We just had a, uh, you know, this happens in our relationship. It happens as adults where you come to a point where a prayer's not been answered and you say, well, God must not answer prayers. That, that, that came up in, in some of our discussion. And we've got to come back right behind and say, wait a minute. I can understand that. I can understand you saying that statement. Kids today are looking for, is God real? And then we come back behind as parents and say, look at what he's done in your life. Let's just, let's just focus not even on my life and all the miracles that he's done in my life. Let's look at your life. Look at how he provided here and he provided here. And every time we've prayed, he's come through. That's what a family has got to do. We've got to be able to ask the questions. What's going on? What are you praying for? What are you believing for? Where are you in your relationship with the Lord? Well, I I didn't get my prayers answered, so there must not be a God. 
Is that a logical response? Sure it is. But then as parents, do you realize as parents, we are God's representation of him to them? So then we come back behind and we start building their faith back up. Wait a minute, we're not going to talk like that. And this is why. This is why. God's, God's real. He's the most real thing I know. He's the most faithful uh, person that I know. <laughs> to be honest with you, he's the only faithful one. Doesn't mean my wife's not faithful. She is faithful, but not compared to God. We need spiritual bonding. We need spiritual bonding. I'm not even going to go into that one because I feel conviction on myself. You know what? I try hard not to, not to be too difficult on you from the pulpit if I'm not walking, if I'm not doing it myself. But we need spiritual bonding. Men, we need to stand up. We need to lead. We need emotional bonding. You know, there's a time when your children and your spouse need you. And let me tell you, my wife is great at this. Anything that wants to come up with our kids, with our schedule, you call us and want to go do something, look at going on vacation immediately. Elizabeth runs through a filter of what have the kids got going on. We're not going to miss their recitals. We're not going to miss their things. What is going on? Somebody stand up and shout for my kids because if we don't, no one will. If we don't fight for them, no one will. And I can tell you, she does a much better job at that than I do. I'm out here running, looking for things to get into. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need you, and I need you over here, and I need you over there. And you forget doing that over there. You get over here. Not always is that a pleasant. Yes, ma'am, but you know what? It's right. I don't want to miss my kids growing up. And it's tough. I got a son that plays baseball, and now high school baseball plays on Wednesday nights. Well, shame on them. Nothing's right about that. Practice on Sunday. Help us, Lord. Help us get our focus right. Help us get our focus right. But I love my, I, but I'm, but I love my, my son playing ball. I love my girls doing dance. Say it again. Keeps them out of trouble. Try it. Keeps me out of trouble most of the time. Don't anybody come sit by me at basketball games? Because, you... right, Robert? I embarrassed Robert. At an OVC basketball game, I got the referee to look at me in my eyes. And that's not an easy thing to do. And all of a sudden, reality comes, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a pastor. <laughs> we need physical bonding. You know what? Your kids need to see mom and dad loving on each other appropriately. They need to hear them speaking positive words over each other. It's healthy for mom and dad to hug and kiss in appropriate ways. Hallelujah. I love Joe McGee. All he talks about is sucking the lips off his wife's face. That's all he talks about. Well, right on, brother. That's all I'm thinking about. I just don't talk about it. And we need mental bonding. We need to experience things together. 
We need to take the journey together. You know, just reading to your kids and that is so hard. But I still have a seven-year-old that every now and then will say, Daddy, will you read to me? And I don't care how busy you are. That's important. That doesn't last forever. We'll do one more. Commitment. Number two. Time together. Spending time together. 1,500 children were asked, what makes families happy? And over 90% of them said, doing things together. Doing things together. You know, what would you think they'd say? Playing iPods, having electronics. Nope. Nope. There is some reality. There is some truth in them. Even when they're zoned out on all their technology things, there is something in in them that is longing to be together. The definition of an American home is a domestic cloverleaf on which we pass one another en route to another meeting. You know, you may say, well, pastor, are we talking about quality time or quantity time? Well, let's look at those real, real quickly, and I'll close there. Quantity time is time spent waiting for these magical moments. In other words, you have to have a certain amount of quantity time because magical moments don't just happen on command. You've got to plan it. You've got to go get yourself out there. Some of the greatest times that we have ever had have been times that we didn't have to spend any money. But you go down to Burgess Falls and walk the falls. You'll hear comments out of them. You'll hear things out of them. You'll see them poking on each other and aggravating each other. And they argue over who's going to be first. And when one doesn't get the chance to be first, what do they do? They don't stay up there with them. They come and pout and hang by mom and dad. I'm not going to stand up there. I'll just stand back here. If I'm not going to be first, I'll just be back here. And you know what they don't realize is great. Come back here and talk to me for a minute. That doesn't matter up there. And then all of a sudden they're watching. When's it my turn? Back up. Sorry, dad. Gone. Okay. It's all right. Come back here for just a minute. Are you tired? Yeah. Ruth Ann used to say, my legs are busy. That meant my legs are tired. And you know what? We've got to go back out there to remember those things. My legs are busy. How easy would that be for me to send my wife and my kids to go do that and me stay back and work? And I'd miss that. I've got to take time to make time for these magical moments. The last week of the year, we do a puzzle. And I'm telling you what, I'm about ready to pull my hair out by the time we're done. But we all bond in the middle of that. We yell at each other. We gripe over who's done what. And you've messed this up. And you're not doing nothing. And you can't. Here we go. And then all of a sudden, we start talking to each other. We get the music going. And it's been good. Every week, we need to glue it and get it on a frame. But every week, I still walk through there and look at that puzzle. And I don't think about the accomplishment of the puzzle. I think about the time with the family. Where we step back and say, I'm glad I was here. Do you want to share? I'm glad I was here. As we close, I'm going to let Elizabeth speak into this. We're going to try. It's not fair for me as the pastor and as the male to do all the talking when it comes to family building because you know what? There's another half involved. Amen? And in our family, it's probably a greater half. than. I don't have your notes. I'm sorry. I'm not in charge of your notes. I don't have them either. 
That's really funny. Um, I, I, I did. I did look at his notes. Usually, I don't um, before he preaches. And but since he was teaching on the family, I did read over this this week. And one of the things that had come to me is that we do live in an age where we have a lot of electronic toys. Kids are have something at their fingertips all the time. A DS or um, Game Boys. That's a DS is a Game Boy. iPods. You know, you can always plug into something. And, um, cell phones. Yeah, cell phones, whatever it is. And, um, you know, we have found as a family that we really have to limit that because it's really easy for them to disconnect from the family. And so we have, um, you know, moments, more than just moments, but times where we just say no more. You know, we can't turn it on because you have to disconnect from all of those things in order to connect to each other. And it's the relationship that's valuable. It's the relationship that makes the difference. And so we, I think as parents that we've got to be willing to make some rules for a lack of better um, terminology there that we put that stuff away and talk to each other. And so we do that. And the other thing that I think as we talk about building, building, each, building strong families and spending time together is one of the things that we have always tried to maintain is dinners together. And I think that that is a real sacrifice in our day and age because most women work and dads work, and it's very challenging to pull off a meal at home. But you know what? If you set it as a priority, you can do it. And sometimes our dinners are really nice, and sometimes it's spaghetti sauce from a jar and a box of pasta and some frozen bread and a salad from a bag, you know, because you're in a hurry and that's the best you can do. But you know what? For everybody to sit down and you have a moment to pray together and you have a moment to talk together. And there are actually studies out that kids who who eat together with their parents do phenomenally better than, than kids who aren't having that time. And so we made it a point, even if we eat at 8.30 at night after everything's over, you know what? It's okay with me. Have a granola bar. Have yogurts. We just will have nice, hearty snacks and eat late. And so I think it's important to, to do that for each other, to do that, to build that strong family. So that's really Amen. all I have Thank to you. say. It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. And sometimes we have five to eat together. Sometimes we have four. But we take what we've got. You may say, Pastor, you just don't know what kind of schedule you got. You don't know what kind of schedule I got. You know, don't tell me about schedule. And I'm not telling you mine's worse than yours. It's not. It's just mine. There we go. <laughs> oh, no, she has a microphone. <laughs> you know, I have one that dances all the time. And we have found that... You have three that dance all the time. But I have one that dances four days a week. Yeah excessive dance. That's our oldest. And you know what? She's the one that we miss at supper a lot. But you know what? When she comes home, I always make it a point to sit with her and talk to her. The other night I didn't, did I? And you missed me so bad. You said I ate all by myself and it was the saddest thing, but I'll sit with her and talk to her and I have to just stop and just, I'm going to be with you. I She's love great you. at that. I'm not, well, I'm not good don't at that. Don't be so hard on yourself. I'm not. But, but we, we make the effort. And so, you know what? It does cost you something, but make the effort and, and, and do it with, you know, do, do deal with what you've got and it works out and, and they appreciate it in the long run. Amen. Should I stay here? 
Sure. It comes at great cost. You know, I've got a son who's on three basketball teams and two baseball teams. Girls who all dance and involved in jump rope teams and chorus. And we don't know whether we're coming or going. I mean, my mom and dad have to run about as much as I do. And my wife does to keep everybody going. We got to call and get help. Somebody help. We don't have enough. You know, when you get outnumbered on how many kids you can hold, you guys can relate. You're just not quite there yet with the schedules, but it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You, you got this church. We're going to, that's what church is for. Amen. Amen. Well, it comes at a cost. And no matter how fancy or how basic maybe your dinner is, maybe you order out and you bring it home and you sit down at the table. So be it. Do what you got to do to get your family together. Something that's the hardest thing for me is when a football game's going on, not to have the game on during the during dinner. Praise God for a DVR. Pause. Pause that sucker. Because why? I'm strong enough to not watch it if it's on, but my son's not. He'll be like this. And he'll take a bite and he'll try to look and then he'll... He just can't help it. Kids don't have the strong self-control yet. They're learning it. Media is pulling. Let me tell you, parents, pull back. Pull back. Get control. Spend time together. Commit. Can we start there? I don't care where you are in your relationship. I don't care if you're already, your kids are already gone. I don't care if you're raising grandkids. I don't care if you've got to pour into your kids. Commitment and time together. Amen? That's where we'll start. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are building us from the ground up. Lord, starting with our money, starting with our relationships, starting with us turning to you. Lord, I thank you starting with the men and the women, Lord, to get our commitment right, to spend time with family. Lord, I just plead the blood of Jesus over families, and I ask you for breakthrough in 2011 over our families. Lord, help us. We've got to have your help. Lord, good kids don't just happen. It's just not some magic wand. It takes work. Good marriages don't just happen. They take work. A relationship with you, Lord, doesn't just happen. We've got to come after you. Help us to turn our hearts to you today, Lord. You may be here this morning and you may say, Pastor, I've never given my heart to Jesus. I've never made that first time commitment to the Lord. Would you do that today? It says in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Would you do that today? Right now where you sit, would you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. We've sang about all these blood, this blood of Jesus, this being cleansed, this being washed. Wash me from my sin. Save me. You may be here today and just need prayer. You may just need support. You may be at a time where you say, Pastor, I'm not walking right. I need to turn back to the Lord. I need my marriage fixed. I need my family fixed. I need my finances fixed. Well, God's not a slot machine to pull. But he is the answer. Get seed in the ground right now. Step out today in faith and let us pray for you.
Would those that are ministering step on out and come up here with me? We want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you have a marriage issue or a health issue. You know what? God's a healer. God's a healer. We got a report from a worship team this morning that it, that, that was healed. We got a report. Got an x-ray. Got the report back. Said healed. Healed. I had another guy in our church uh, that was battling uh, of the possibility of um, leukemia. Came back. Gone. Healed. The Lord is moving. I want to encourage you. Y'all stand up with me. If you need healing, step out here. Let us pray and agree with you. It says for, if you, for you to come to the elders of the church, come, call for the elders of the church to lay hands on you and the sick will recover. Step out this morning and let us pray with you as we sing.